0: This is Lab Medicine Rounds, a curated podcast for physicians, laboratory professionals, and students. I'm your host, Justin Crouter, the Bowtie Bandit of Blood, a transfusion medicine pathologist at Mayo Clinic. Today we're rounding with Dr. Clarissa Jordan, Chief Resident in Anatomic and Clinical Pathology in the Department of Laboratory Medicine Pathology here at Mayo Clinic to talk about online pathology resources timely topic as we're getting into the new academic year for those that are learning pathology and always uh, nice for those of us that are practicing to understand what are those valuable resources out there. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. Jordan.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk about this with you today.
0: Maybe to kick things off, I'm curious, how have you gone about learning, discovering what you use as the online pathology resources
1: as far as those of us who are in training programs and who are current learners, I think the best resource for me really has just been talking with other residents, uh, particularly residents who, you know, are are further along in their training and have more experience than me. I think it's useful also to talk to a variety of these residents because, right, different people have, have different preferences and might like different things. And, Things uh, some resources may be more conducive to your learning style, for example. So I always advise residents to to kind of ask around, see what's out there. I think another great place is uh, Twitter. Actually, I think you can find a ton of great pathology resources directly on Twitter, or just by asking people. I've noticed a couple of great threads, particularly after board season, where people talk about what was most useful. So yeah, that's sort of been the two main areas that uh, have really helped me find online pathology resources.
0: Oh, gotcha. I'm glad you're highlighting getting the variety and how Twitter can really help with that. Do you find also with that variety as you go to different rotations that you kind of pick up? some resources or is it more of, like you say, when somebody puts out a bullet kind of after taking the boards highlighting, what did they find useful?
1: Yeah, for me at least it's it's sort of been rotation dependent. Whenever I'm about to head on to a new rotation, I'd like to, you know, message or just talk to residents who have maybe even just gone through that rotation to see, hey, what was most useful to you in terms of textbooks or or again online resources as we're discussing. I think that kind of peer-to-peer learning is is really super valuable.
0: Absolutely. And I'm always curious to learn what are people yeah. talking about. Because I think that's really that learner perspective is really important. And probably for, I guess, how you use those resources, right? Because sometimes things are almost like you have to be an expert to understand. So it makes me curious, how are you using these online resources in your practice or To augment your learning, I imagine there's a a little bit of both. Can you kind of elaborate a little bit for us?
1: Yeah, sure thing. And you make an excellent point about uh, it's about figuring out what resources are going to work for you in, in which specific scenarios. So I'll give a couple of different examples. So for anatomic pathology, I think a lot of people are familiar with a website called Kurt's Notes. This is Dr. Kurt Schaberg who is um, at UC Davis, I believe. He uh, has really put together kind of these quick reference guides, almost you could say, for every pretty much every different organ system, which are super useful. So I kind of use them in two different ways. I reference Kurt's notes a lot during each AP rotation that I do. So if I'm on a GYN rotation, I make great use of his uterus, ovarian, et cetera guides. And for me, I just find that when I'm making a diagnosis, it's a really quick and easy reference that's easily accessible from anywhere. In anatomic pathology, especially Part of the issue is just that sometimes you may not even know like what your options are for a diagnosis, right? And I think having kind of a, a nice condensed and really easy to navigate resource like Kurt's Notes is has been really useful for, you know, providing a framework for me and just knowing what's out there uh, in a specific organ system. And in addition to using Kurt's notes when I'm on a rotation making diagnoses and sort of, I guess you could say, in clinical practice, I also use it a lot when I'm just studying on my own. I think that framework is something I really try to incorporate when I'm making my own study materials and, and flashcards and things like that. I think these online resources are really valuable in multiple modalities.
0: Do you think kind of your experience has been as I really, you know, in in the medical education world, we talk a lot about scaffolding, right? So that we can really make the most of the material. As you're saying, you kind of set up this framework. When you're using an online resource like that, do you think that that allows your face-to-face learning with your attending physician? Does that help you ask uh, more interesting questions or do you feel like you get more out of the experience when you've done that kind of prep? Does that kind of lean over into that experience?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, whenever I'm looking at a, a tumor, for example, right, I always want to well, even backing up a little further from that, right? The first thing you want to decide on when you're looking at a piece of tissue is, hey, is this benign or malignant? I find it really nice to kind of just go into different categories once you are at like the malignant stage, for example. So, like in the ovary, right? Are we at a epithelial lesion? Okay, so if I decide yes, we are, then I know my options are serous, endometrioid, clear cell, Brenner. I think having that kind of framework in mind is really useful uh, when you're talking to attendings, because then. Number one, of course, it helps your diagnostic skill. And number two, it demonstrates that you're really thoughtfully thinking about the case.
0: Mm, I like that too, right? That's highlighting. I think of that sometimes as ownership. If somebody is taking ownership for the case, which sometimes is a hard thing for uh, us in pathology to do, or at least we don't, that way traditionally it can be thought of. You talked about the framework being helpful. If we kind of back up for a second and think about that concept of what's helpful or useful. Are there aspects of online resources as you think through a couple of the tools that you have found helpful? Are there some common themes about them that make them more useful for you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think one resource that I really like that I've been using more on my CP rotations is going to be the ACC Learning Lab. So that's from the American Association for Clinical Chemistry and the New England Journal of Medicine. It covers more than just clinical chemistry. It covers a lot of clinical pathology topics like heme path, transfusion, as you know, genomics, immunology, even laboratory management. And you know, one of the things I really like about this particular resource is that it uses adaptive learning. For example, it'll ask you questions kind of upfront about the material and then based on how you answer them and how confident you report being in your answer, the curriculum actually adapts. So if you got a question wrong or maybe you got it right, but you weren't very confident about it, you know, the curriculum will go more in depth into that particular topic. I think that's, you know, I know you and I, Dr. Kreider, are both really passionate about education strategies, best practices on how to engage learners. And so I think this approach is really awesome, and it incorporates active recall, spaced repetition, those things that we love. I think that's just an example of a really well-done resource. I think also online resources that take advantage of the new big revolution in pathology, digital pathology are really awesome. So for example, there's kind of a a newer textbook called Surgical Pathology Reimagined, and that's from Ace the Boards. And what I love about this textbook is that there are QR codes, so you can actually scan those and then it'll take you to a digital slide that's online, which I think is just super useful because, you know, photos in a textbook can only show you so much, right? Like it's going to show you just usually a small part of the slide and with like the very best features of, of whatever the entity is. And I think providing a whole slide image kind of in contrast to that, it helps bridge the gap between textbook picture and actual clinical practice. So um, I think those are two great examples. I'd
0: love to kick into this. I'm curious for your thoughts as you talk about the slide. And I may be totally off, so feel free to let me know. I think about somebody who's you know in their first year just learning, maybe the slide feels like (laughs) the ocean. And in that context, maybe that directed pointed and this is the feature is helpful. Whereas in contrast, somebody very senior like yourself, getting that ocean, that full slide in front of you and where you're just like, yeah, this is where it's at. Do you hear anything amongst the other residents as people are developing? Do they have Or are there features that the digital pathology is able to turn on that can direct
1: more novice learners? Absolutely. I think, you know, as more institutions are kind of embracing digital pathology and kind of curating these digital slide study sets for their residents, I think something that I've noticed that's useful from our study sets is to have consultant or attending pathologist really annotate the images so that you can have that zoomed in like, hey, this is what you're looking for, especially for those junior residents. As you astutely point out, I think it's great for more senior residents to have that blank slate approach where it's like, okay, this is me out in clinical practice. I get this slide. I need to be able to have that skill to really parse down exactly what I'm looking for on this slide where not everything is going to be maybe useful to me in making the diagnosis. So I think that's a very astute point. And I do think digital pathology has has some great opportunities to kind of cater to both ends of kind of the learning spectrum. For more laboratory education, including a listing of conferences, webinars, and on-demand content, visit mailcliniclabs.com forward slash education.
0: I know we've been name dropping some resources and Dr. Jordan's kindly, were sharing that in the show notes today. We're not going to name names here, but I think there are examples. I mean, I've been uh, asked to look at some learning materials. I think there's a lot of us, fortunately, that are passionate about teaching our specialty. Have you seen examples where somebody certainly is passionate, but that website that they're developing, it's just not useful for whatever reason? If that's the case, I think it'd probably be really helpful for people to hear as a senior learner, junior colleague, what's your perception on maybe some things that actually impede or are not useful that, that you've seen people use?
1: yeah i can think of maybe a couple different examples there's certainly a lot of question banks out there for pathology and more specifically i think for board studying i find them still useful even before i was boards prepping i will say though that you know some question banks are better than others i think some incorporate a lot of negative questions for example all of the following except what is true? And I find those questions really confusing as a learner. I just think I, I think in the education community, we've kind of seen that this is you know not the best practice for learners. But in addition, just adding on my personal experience, right? If you are, kind of including a wrong answer in those answer choices, I find that to be very confusing when you're maybe reviewing again that question, right? I make a lot of flashcards, for example. And so I might want to have like a multiple choice question on my flashcard, but I find it really actually detrimental to include those negative questions again because you don't wanna have that like incorrect piece of information just kind of floating around in your memory.
0: That's a brilliant insight. I just wanted to kind of underline that for our listeners. For those of us that that write board questions and also select questions on the RISE exam know that that negative question is a no-no, but I could see where people that haven't had that experience yet may not be aware of that. And I think it's a brilliant insight and highlights really where it um, is an impedance uh, to learning. So thanks for sharing that.
1: Absolutely. I think another area that I uh, I personally find to be maybe a little less useful is when people are sharing things online, but they kind of don't share the answer. So for example, when folks will share a slide or an image, and then they'll say, hey, come back in a week, and we'll discuss the answer. For me, I really love kind of that on-the-spot learning, right? I think active recall is, as we know, a really important learning strategy. For me, I think it's, as a learner, I think it's most useful to, yeah, challenge yourself, do that active recall in the moment, but then turn around and, and get the answer, right? I think that's where you can really solidify your learning. So I think some learning resources, which maybe don't provide you with an answer or an easy, or, or a way to find the answer on the spot, I think a lot of the learning can really slip through the cracks in those times.
0: I really uh, like that because I know of examples that have been successful of people doing that. But as I think about that, I think the users of that are really the professional community as far as what I've seen, rather Mm -hmm. than the learners, or the larger community of pathologists. Uh, again, that's another brilliant insight. <laughs> Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One of the nice things too, is that you are also involved in curating content online. So uh, just to give a shout out for your own website, pathcejmd.com. So for our listeners check out, of course, we'll put the links in the show notes to that as well. Could you tell us how have you approached sharing content on your website from the standpoint of, you know, how do you kind of put it together and has that process changed over the years?
1: Yeah, sure thing. You know, I think I first started sharing pathology education content online when I realized I was creating notes and educational materials for myself. And I thought, well, you know, this might be useful for someone else. So I'll just share it and see what sticks. And then since then, I've tried to be a little more intentional about what I really want to accomplish with this. And so I kind of sat down with myself and thought about goals for this. And so I want to make content that's clearly understandable, thoughtfully organized, clinically relevant. And I know that's like a really lofty goal, but essentially what that boils down to is I I really want to be focused on the needs of the learner kind of in that moment. So as we've kind of alluded to already, just something that's really easily digestible in the moment and just gives you kind of the salient Points, You know, I'm sharing cases that I've kind of come across in practice, which are, are de-identified, of course, and not from the same time period, like the current time period. But basically, I try to approach this by thinking about what are kind of the practical and salient points that I learned from this case? You know, I'm not trying to be a textbook. I'm not trying to be a comprehensive resource. I think other people do that much better than me. But I'm just trying to think, okay, what did I learn? And what would be useful to other learners when they may come across this entity? So let's say usual ductal hyperplasia in the breast, for example, right? Let's say I saw a case of that. I might think to myself, hey, what are the key features that I recognized or I learned about when I was signing out with the attending that I think would be useful? So then I'll often annotate images like, hey, these cells have like a nice streaming quality. That's really good for UDH. Or or I see these peripheral irregular fenestrated spaces. That's also great for, for UDH. I love annotating images. I think that's super useful. I also think what makes part of posting educational content online fun is uh, when you get to engage with folks. So then I often think of questions or polls that might be that I could add in to the case. Again, it kind of gets people engaged a little more. It's great for boards prep it allows you to get maybe more at like a a higher order, like a second or third order level concept related to the the point you're trying to make. Like you could say, which of the following IHC stains is positive in this entity and just have a photo of it, right? So that way, you know, you got to number one, know what the diagnosis is, and then you got to know your IHC stains kind of on top of that. So it gets at a kind of a higher order than just, Hey, what is this diagnosis? And again, I often like to give, well, I always like to give the answer on the same page. Again, I think challenge yourself, do that active recall. That's super important, but then check your knowledge and solidify your knowledge in that moment. I think for busy residents, I think that's super important and, and just a strategy that I've found to be successful for me.
0: Well, certainly, one of my failures in life has been that I haven't been able to recruit you into transfusion medicine <laughs> fellowship. You're really highlighting for the audience that I think is phenomenal. That you are thinking very deeply about this material about what you're learning so like already like some people may see you doing this work and it's a gift that you are sharing for sure, but it's also benefiting you right is the the deep thought that you have to put in to think about what is a relevant question. As well as one of the unique things, and this is kind of hat tip to you and all of the other learners to think about is because I know that imposter syndrome is a real struggle. Your perspective on what did I learn from this is supremely valuable in a way that somebody who is a world expert in something, writing a board review book probably is not capturing and presenting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. First of all, thank you for your kind words. And I totally agree with you. I think having that kind of learner perspective on things is really important. I would encourage other folks to, you know, do this if, if they want, like you were kind of alluding to. I think I've learned so much from posting educational content online. The entities that I know best are often the ones that I post online just for that reason, right? I have to really think deeply about it. And uh, yeah, I know it can be intimidating alluding to the imposter syndrome that you mentioned, but uh, this can certainly be a great resource for everyone.
0: Absolutely. We've been rounding with Dr. Jordan, talking about online pathology resources. Thank you so much for sharing some of your recommendations, as well as taking the time to talk about this with us today.
1: Thank you so much. I had a lot of fun.
0: And to all of our listeners, thank you for joining us today. We invite you to share your thoughts and suggestions via email to mcl education at mayo.edu if you've enjoyed this podcast please subscribe until our next rounds together we encourage you to continue to connect lab medicine and the clinical practice through insightful conversations